Welcome to the Factor 2.9 Podcast. This is where we learn, grow and evolve together. A sense of fulfillment and contentment and just being in the present and feeling totally content with that. All right. Magnus, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling fine, thank you. And you? Yes, I'm feeling fine too. Today, you don't know what we're going to talk about at all, do you? No, I don't actually. You came with this suggestion that you should come with a topic and propose one that I have no prior knowledge about whatsoever. So I'm uh, a bit nervous, just a little bit, and I'm also thinking what you might have thought of for this discussion. I just hope it's something that I What's have. That? Well, I'm, I'm just hoping that it's something that I have something to to, to say about. Uh, so you don't, haven't chosen a topic that's off topic for me. Yeah, well, that I think that you do, because we've both read these two books by Charles Stuig, The Power of Habits, and Sam Harris, Waking Up. So my question for you was to start off this discussion, how is your meditation habits going? Well, should it be going in some particular way, you mean? Uh, well, that you depends on your, your wants and what you want to accomplish in life, of course. But I think that I've heard you say that you want to get a habit of meditating. So yes. how, how's well, that going with execution? I want to learn how to meditate. I want to become uh, good at it. And um, as a consequence, I should do it regularly, of course. But I haven't been. I've been doing it for a week or so, a few weeks ago. And then things uh, have come up to disturb that habit so I haven't followed through the way I intended to so actually I well that's just the way it is I haven't done what I thought and hoped I would be doing if that was an answer to your question yeah sure what are some of those things that distracted you from your habits well I decided to do this in the mornings uh, when there's a natural window of opportunity to do it right uh, but then after a few days, something came up that disturbed that habit. And the day after, I think I just forgot about it. And after not having done what I set out to do for two days, I dropped the habit or mm. it's just uh, lack of discipline uh, in this case. And I thought I'd have another go and start over a few weeks later, which I haven't yet. Mm. I think that it's sort of a chicken and egg problem here because what you're trying to accomplish or actually you're not trying to accomplish anything really when you meditate but what you're trying to do is not to do stuff and just be when you meditate and so not letting distractions influence your presentness and your being in reality and your consciousness so you can see the contents of consciousness as contents of consciousness so the inability to discipline yourself in these two days of creating a habit is something which had you 
already meditated for quite a while, you'd have probably had an easier time, I think, to surpass as a challenge because you would have seen that as just a content of consciousness, a content of your experience. And so you would have been able to see that and accept it and not judge it at all and just see it as it is and then see that I still have the intention to continue meditating and so I'll just accept and start again the next day. Yes, I think you're quite right. Uh, just to my defense, I'd like to say that the first time it, it wasn't just lack of dis discipline. I, I don't remember the exact reason now, but uh, mm. it was as I would recall a legitimate reason not to do it that day sure. because something quite important had to be done uh, during that morning hour, that time, of course. That, sure, sure, that's sure. not an excuse, not for picking it up the day after or two days after, of course. Yeah. And um, actually, I, this is a, a principle or a method that I'm already using when it comes to exercise. Uh, a couple of years ago, I wasn't exercising very regularly, but I have been for at least a year now. And I've decided for myself that if something comes up that stops me from exercising the way I had planned to, say something important uh, turns up or I catch a cold or uh, get a temperature or something that makes me unable to exercise for a day or a few days, then that shouldn't be uh, a reason not to just start as soon as possible again. Because the only one I'm fooling if I'm if I'm building a mental barrier to starting again as soon as possible, thinking that I've lost it all now because, you know, I've worked up some level of fitness uh, over the previous weeks or months, and then say I get sick for two weeks or perhaps four days, which is a more likely scenario, mm. uh, then I could feel that... I lost that level that I'd reached before and it's too it's really very boring and a, a really shitty thing to have to start over at a much lower level again but uh, that's the way I thought before but I haven't been for the last year I've decided not to think that way and instead just just do it that's really what yeah. it's all about yeah it, it doesn't really matter if I'm at the same level or not it's uh, I'm not fooling anyone else but myself by thinking that way. Yeah, and what you're saying here is that you have changed your self-talk, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Or, or I made a, a very conscious decision as well mm -hmm. that when those uh, occasions occur, which they will do, I know they will do, uh, with a few weeks uh, gap between, for one reason or another, there will yeah, be... Yeah, reality will yeah. come with its problems. Yes. Yeah. But then I know uh, when that happens that, okay, so there's another one of those and uh, I'll just let that happen and then I'll get back to it the way I did before. Yeah, so that's a mindfulness way of approaching that problem. So just accepting yes. it, seeing it and starting over again. Yes, not judging it yeah. by any way at all. Yeah. And why do you think then that you didn't do that with the meditation habits? I think that might have to do with the fact that I'd just been doing it for a few days already and I, I hadn't got into the habit so I thought that uh, I, I'll just 
find a day in a few days when there's a very good uh, opportunity to feel that I'm starting afresh. I'm doing this from scratch again. Yeah. And, um, and then on top of that, I'm going to try and build day after day and make it into a habit. Uh, because I don't like to just do it for one or two or three days and then get an interruption for one or two days and then start over again because I need some kind of continuity. At first, I think. I need mm. to build something before... Uh, I accept that it's okay to continue building on that same foundation after yeah. two or three days of intermission. Yeah, and that is, of course, a thought and yeah. uh, and a sort of fixation which you have in your mind. Yes, which you could transcend if you were the of quote course. unquote perfect uh, meditator. I'm, I'm not saying that's the way to do it. Uh, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. a good reason. I'm just trying to uh, reflect and. Uh, find the the way I may have reasoned, not very on a very conscious level, but the way I've been tricking myself. Yeah. About so this. the thoughts that have come up to your consciousness and that you have sort of identified with. Yes. Yeah. And what you were saying earlier about. Can can I just before mm, you go on? Sure. You were mentioning these two books we've yeah. read, and uh, for a listener. That might be somewhat unclear. The the connection here. Why? why what's the connection between yeah. these two books and the question you asked me? Yeah. Well, I just saw a problem for you, or rather, I saw that you had an intention to create a habit out of meditation, and so I connected the dots that both of us had read these two books, and then I. And what's in these to, two books? That's. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to talk about the book, The Power of Habit. Uh, by Charles Stewig just now because what you said earlier about your creation of your meditation habits and the lack of discipline that you had in comparison with your exercise habits I think that with your exercise habits it could very well be that you have such a automated process for the cue so the environmental factors that tell your brain that it is time to exercise and then you have the actual act of exercising and then you have the reward of the biochemical and positive self-talk that you get from exercising so now that you have uh, exercised at least a couple of months regularly like three times a week or more and of course I know that you've exercised more than that as well but I know that you've been very consistent with exercise for the last couple of months and that I think has helped you get into the habit of complete automation of actually going out into the tracks and running and so I think that it doesn't actually even require any discipline for you anymore well could it, that be the case i'm not sure i i know this is uh, quite in line with the reasoning of the book uh the power of habit the way you just described it with the cue and the routine and the reward mm. but when you're asking me I'm, I'm not sure that's the way i look on this it's not completely automated. It's not completely automated for me. I have yeah. to make a very conscious decision to still to to go out and do the exercise. Sure, sure, sure. Could I just add to that though? Yeah. That even though you think it's conscious, it could very well be that 
now that you have had so many successful sessions of exercise and have come into this consistent frequency of exercise per week, your body sort of expects exercise. And so the thoughts and the feelings that you get, which arise to your consciousness, are sort of influenced by the neural pathways which you have activated prior weeks when exercising so that you feel that you make the conscious decision of going out to exercise but actually very much of that conscious decision is influenced by the sensations which arise which are pretty much expectations on yourself to exercise by your brain could be that you're right but i wouldn't know then would i yeah. Well, if you begun to meditate, maybe you could see you could see the contents of consciousness that yeah, arise right. more clearly and vividly. I know that I'm thinking about it in terms of that I've the way I described it before that I've started to build a foundation on which I'm adding new layers all the time, and I know that I'm I uh, feel healthy and I feel hit fit and I feel strong and feel good about myself when I've been exercising regularly for a while and I don't want to destroy that or throw it away and I can accept getting out of this habit if there is really legitimate reasons like I'm I get sick or something like that or I yeah, have when to, there's something else that you yeah have to prioritize yes well so the relative value of exercise to any other act is lowered in yes, comparison with correct. normal. But just just uh, skipping a session out of laziness or, or because I'd like to do something else to to feed my short-term ego that I wouldn't feel good about. Mm. And uh, uh, that's really the reason, I think. Uh, I, I've come to value these exercises more than I did before and that way I just prioritize them. Yes, and I think that this is where Sam Harris's book, Waking Up, comes in, in which he lays out the concept of the I as an illusion, which is based on the fact, I'd call it, that the nuances and tonations of the thoughts that we have, which rise in our consciousness, are just that. They are illusions. And if we examine our thoughts and sensations closely, we can see that they are illusions. And really what thoughts are, are stories which we get up to our consciousnesses in our brains. The thoughts arise in our consciousnesses. We cannot control which thoughts arise. And so these stories are really something which we've inherited from our ancestors and is something which have been evolutionarily better than not having all of these predictions and narratives and stories arising in consciousness. Because if we have all of these stories and thoughts and narratives, then we can use all of those to create meaning. Isn't that right? Yeah, to create meaning and to see what actions will lead to this and that result because we can create meaning in the world in terms of how we expect different objects in the complex systems of reality to behave. 
but I'm trying to get this to relate somehow to what you said there earlier. So could you just repeat the substance of the story you just told me? I think we were talking about why I, or rather how I look upon the habit of exercising. What? Right. And and for me, it's about uh, building something for myself. I've built, uh, or I've laid a foundation on which I add new layers all the time. I improve as... Um, or my fitness and my health is improving as I keep getting better at the exercises that I'm doing. And that way I motivate myself to keep going and it's a strong driver for me to avoid uh, skipping exercises. Yeah, right. And any drive, as you just said, or motivations that we have come from just that, these narratives which we tell ourselves and those are really algorithms which pass through our consciousness which make us behave in certain ways which have evolutionarily helped us but they are just that they are stories and narratives arising in our consciousnesses and we can through mindfulness meditation for example get a very vivid view of those narratives and the nuances of those narratives that we tell ourselves every single day and if you'd be able to get into this habit of meditating i think that you could see that the fact that you do not want to stop exercising is because of this motivator then you could see you're telling yourself a narrative and it's probably not going to be all that useful in this case in which you would probably still want to exercise. And even though you can see the narrative that you tell yourself about exercise, you'd probably not discard that after seeing it because you'd probably still want to exercise because it's a habit which you want for the long-term ego. But in other cases, it's going to be very much easier to discard all of the habitual addictions which you have, which are basically just feeding the short-term ego and often at the expense of the long-term ego. I think that makes a lot of sense what you just said there. The, the, these narratives that we create for ourselves, is they are just creations of our minds. And they are very useful when they help us create meaning in our daily lives in a practical sense. Right. They, they help us uh, stick to plans and principles because we in our heads have these narratives that explain to us why these things are important exactly but on the other hand we do some stupid stuff as well that yeah. we would be better out that we would be better off without yes and if we are aware of the way you describe it that they are just narratives that means that we have so very much more or a very much higher level of freedom to choose what we do in every single uh, instance or in, when it comes to each of these habits or uh, decisions that we make that aren't very sound, perhaps. Right. To just change and do it some other way. Right. So there's that upside to meditating, which you just said. And then there's also the fact that what you're trying to optimize for then in the 
upside, which you just said, is the long-term ego or your purpose in life. And even though that is something which you can still hold dear and true to your heart, meditation can also bring a state in which you are not dependent on the fulfillment of any sort of long-term or short-term ego for actually being content. And that means that you can be completely happy, content, peaceful in the now. And that is really, I think, if people search deeply within themselves, the core of their long-term purpose. That is what people actually want. But of course, there are other ways of getting there than just meditating. But I think that it's a very accessible and useful way of not being dependent on the long-term purpose because the long-term purpose fulfillment is sometimes a result and results are not something which you can completely control because you're not in complete control of reality. So finding full contentment, peace and happiness in the now is something which in combination with actually pursuing a purpose or a why that is something which I think is very good for living a good life. I just have to ask you there, uh, when you describe this uh, result of motivation, or uh, rather result of meditation, uh, that could be uh, a sense of fulfillment and contentment and just being in right. the present and feeling totally content with that. Yes. Isn't that also a way of saying that the goals you've set out or the long-term um, plans that you've made aren't mm. really very important? Yes, I guess that in a sense it is. But I think that you don't have to do one or the other. You could say that both for this long-term purpose and for the short-term purpose of being completely content with life you can meditate mindfulness for example very successfully and i think that if you do do mindfulness or be mindfulness as you could say then both as i said you will get performance results for your long-term purpose so doing it is going to help you with your long-term purpose but what you said or what you asked me is because we're letting go of all meaning and really seeing all the narratives that we tell ourselves as just narratives and seeing them as vividly as possible and seeing that we create all meaning so the existentialist point of view i believe that you can meditate for a while during the day and be completely content and peaceful and let go of all meaning. And then you could, if the alarm clock rings when you have to go to work or something, you can just let go of the complete letting go of meaning. And also I think that there is another very important point to make in this uh, question, which is that what you're trying to do when you're meditating is not actually to remove all content subconsciousness, to kill all of these narratives that you tell yourself or remove them or delete them. 
Instead, you're trying to see them very vividly. That is the whole point of it. And if you can see them very vividly and see that they are narratives, but of course you can be very emotionally connected to them as well. Then you can, as we said earlier, pick and choose on a metacognitive level which narratives or stories you want to keep. And it's a false dichotomy, really, the point of view that you have to let go of all meaning, because what you're trying to do is to see everything as vividly as possible. That is all that there is. And if you have a very deep emotional connection to some thought or story, then you want to see that and you want to be able to not not see it. So not going into the narrative or experience itself, rather experiencing the experience, so to say. So experiencing the narrative and the emotion very vividly and seeing it very clearly is really the entire purpose of it. I'm sure there are very good effects and good reasons too to mm. meditate and I've decided before that I really want to meditate and I still do so you're not you don't have to try and persuade me that it's a good idea and I don't think you're trying to either but uh, just saying that I'm already on board in this question sure. and this is rather about the benefits of meditating Uh, what we're discussing right now. And I think yeah. this discussion is really, really interesting, but it's also super hard to stay focused and be very exact and precise with the words, uh, words and vocabulary when we discuss these things. Uh, it's easy to, you know, just slide or stray a little bit from the exact meaning you want to convey. And yeah. uh, it's also sometimes difficult to understand exactly what the other person is trying to say. Well, I'd just like to clarify my main point of my answer to your last question, which was that you can keep the narrative and the emotion which you are experiencing. The entire goal of mindfulness meditation is to see it vividly and really experiencing it more. It's not to delete the thoughts that you have. It's to see them vividly and experience them as contents of consciousness. But on a metacognitive uh, level, then, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to, to mm. look on them from outside. Sure. And just to clarify, metacognition is really defined as thinking about thinking, I think. And I don't think that you're supposed to think about the thinking, because then you're not really just experiencing the thinking which could be one of the contents of consciousness because that is actually a very common mistake i think w when people meditate they think that they meditate well because they they are activating their metacognitive level very well so they see oh now i had this anxious thought and they can completely let go of the meaning of that anxious thought but they do it by actually thinking about it in a way in which they reduce the meaning of the other thought. So you're really trying to not consciously think about anything, rather just see the thoughts which arise from your unconscious and the other sensations which arise from your unconscious to become contents of consciousness. Is 
did I understand you correctly then that the way you're supposed to do this, the way you described it this last time, is that you just see the thoughts and you just let them pass and you don't make any effort whatsoever to analyze them or, or think about them in a conscious way. Yes, that is how I understand mindfulness meditation. But I think that, as we said earlier, you don't have to do this mindfulness meditation all day, every day, if you don't want to become a monk or something. And I think that there is a lot of benefit to thinking about your thinking. So applying metacognitive level for, for example, learning. That's a whole nother topic, but I think that when you try to do mindfulness meditation, it's, at least in my experience, a very good thing to have set aside time for it so that you can completely be in the experience. And then, yes, indeed, you should not be analyzing your thoughts. Okay, so are you doing these uh, meditations every day? Yes. Now, recently, I've uh, stepped up my game, so to say, and been practicing more. Yes. So how for how long do you meditate or how often? I do 10 minutes of compassion meditation uh, every morning, every night. And I do 10 minutes of mindfulness meditation every morning, every night. So in a total, that would make 40 minutes per day? Yeah, of which 20 is mindfulness. Really? That's impressive. Yeah, well, I've only kept it up for a couple of days. So So yeah. have you? How, how do you feel it's affected you in any way so far? Yes, I think that I can see contents of consciousness more clearly and I can see my fixations and nuances of thoughts very much more clearly. And that has helped me get results when I do not meditate as well in different areas of life as well. And are you using any apps or listening to some kind of guided meditation or are you doing this all by yourself? I've been enjoying the experience of listening to music while meditating very much lately. But I've also used the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. He has an app which has like six days of free guided meditations. And then you can subscribe for uh, quite a lot, I think. And there are some lessons which could help you understand more of what meditation is and how to do it and so on in that app as well so i'd recommend using the app at least the free version and then of course if you have uh, a lot of money to spare then you could subscribe as well or if you really prioritize it which i would say that it is a good thing to prioritize but of course there are alternatives to the app as well Yes, that was what I was thinking. Are there any important features in this app that makes it stand out from the free stuff you can find on YouTube and uh, elsewhere? Not really. In my experience, he is a very good uh, guider of the meditation sessions, though. So yes, but basically it's the same kind of uh, guided meditations. It's just that he's fairly good at it. Yeah, the same sort if you search for okay. mindfulness meditation on YouTube. All right, then. So this is, was your topic and your, uh, your discussion that you introduced. Uh, is there something more you'd like to bring to this discussion before we start wrapping it up? No, not really. I think that we've covered more of the Waking Up book than the 
habit book. Do you have anything which you would like to add about the book Power of Habits? Not really, more than the fact that I think it's a really good uh, it's a really good book that sums up a few of these important principles that you can use in your life to to become more aware of the habits you have because your life is most likely full of habits uh, everyone's life is so it's always a good idea to be aware of the habits you form and the one you keep yes. so 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 you make sure the habits you use every day are aligned to and support your long-term wishes yes and thinking of it now i actually think that the fact that we combine these two books today is a very good thing because if you practice mindfulness and then go on during the day to practice metacognition you can see that when you analyze your thoughts which you have now got a tool for seeing more vividly then you can see that very much more than that which you have thought of as part of the story which you tell yourself is actually just that a story and many of the facts which you experience as facts and identify with in your everyday life and have the habits of believing are just that habits of believing stories which are really just contents of consciousness so i think that mindfulness meditation in combination with later during the day for example metacognitive analyzing of your thoughts is a very good practice all right then should that be the final words of this episode sure Okay, so as you've probably noticed, this was uh, a discussion that's quite different from the ones we've been having before when we've been more scripted. And if you listen to our last episode, we introduced this new concept that is a much more relaxed and free version of uh, our podcast than we've had before. So we hope you liked it. Yeah, it's really a more... It's a way of podcasting which more reflects the way in which we consume and analyze information from the books which we read. And so now we can just really connect dots and see how they are practically applicable to our lives, which is what we try to do when we read books. And so it's going to be more natural for us to do it this way. But thank you very much for listening to this podcast episode. And I'll see you together with Magnus here and maybe someone else in a couple of weeks or days. See you. Yeah, we still don't know. And when we know, you will know as well. Great. Bye. Bye. <laughs> awful outro. <laughs> <laughs>Hey, just a quick reminder that we have just launched our website and uh, you can now find our episodes that you are the most interested in by looking in our categories or even searching for keywords. All of our episodes are on the website and you can also sign up for new updates on the podcast as well through our newsletter in the footer of the website. You can also contact us very easily through a form on the website. But uh, the website is mainly for your ease of finding the right episode for you. So... 
being able to search through categories or keywords is the main function that I think will help most people right now. So check it out, factor2point9.com. 